And the only reason we're here today is because Jesus is alive. There would be no 1010 North Tustin Calvary Church if Jesus was not alive. And so I have a job because Jesus is alive. And so it's partly selfish. It's a joke. It's a joke. But we're glad to be serving together with you. We're excited for what God's going to do as we celebrate the resurrected Jesus Christ. And uh, one of the challenges of life sometimes is even as we hear the song sung, we sing the words, you're beautiful, sometimes life is not beautiful for some of us. We go through these periods of time where we're struggling to understand what God is up to, why is He doing what He's doing, how do I try to understand Him better and enter into that relationship that He so paid with such a high price of His death, burial, and resurrection. We're going to go in this discovery process this morning, and uh, there is an outline in the bulletin. We encourage you to take a look at that. It would help you to follow along. I put all the Scripture on there. If you'd like to read the Bible that's in the chair rack in front of you or your own Bible that you brought from home, you're certainly welcome to do that. But we're going to look at some of these passages of Scripture together. And, uh, oh, by the way, I'm Pastor Dave Mitchell, and uh, it's good to be with you. And uh, that's just a secondary issue, really. It could have been anybody up here, but we're glad to be able to serve together with you here at Calvary Church. I want us to look at a great passage that God has given to us in 2 Corinthians. What we do on Sundays is we take the Bible, we open it up, we understand what is there, and we try to decipher it. We don't just always take things at face value. We want to study it. We want to examine it. We want to determine what is true. And then we put our faith and trust in those things that we have verified, have confidence in, and one of those things is the resurrection of Jesus, as we will see. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we understand about the light of Christ a little bit more. Why do we need that light? Why do I need Jesus? Why is He significant and important? Why is the resurrection of Christ significant in my life? The Apostle Paul describes that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where he says this in verse 1, Therefore, since we have this ministry... As we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. One of the things the Apostle Paul dealt with, including Peter, all the disciples that followed Christ, there are those moments in life when we tend to want to lose heart. And God was concerned about that. He knew that was a reality. In fact, Mary Magdalene, one of the women that followed Jesus in his three years of ministry, she gave her life dedicated to Him. And when she came to that tomb to anoint the body of Christ as they would do in those days, after he had been crucified, after she stood with the Mary, the mother of Jesus, and watched this Savior that she gave her life to literally die an agonizing death for six hours on that cross. And then to come on that Sunday morning and to come and pay tribute to his life, but anoint the body with the spices as they would do it in those days. John records that moment in John 20, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. In those days, they would have a big stone that would roll in front of the cave and then they would roll the stone back if they wanted to retrieve or anoint or care for the body. And that stone had been rolled back as she came and the metaphor also the literal sense of it is that she stood there in the dark. And there's something beautiful about that in a figurative way. Although it was literally dark, it was also figuratively dark in her mind because she came to anoint a body and the body is not there. She doesn't understand what God is doing. 
She watched Jesus die, and now she doesn't understand what he's up to at this point. And it's at those moments when you suddenly think and realize that I don't understand what God is doing. He has allowed something to come into my life. I don't understand it. It's in those moments we can lose heart. And we're not sure the God that we thought we had our faith in is really the one that I can fully trust. And so the Apostle Paul writes about that in a companion to Mary's journey and our journey perhaps as well. And he gives us three reasons why we might lose heart and why we need the resurrected Jesus, why we need His light in our lives to light the way. And one reason is this. We may lose heart in doing good. Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. Mary Magdalene might have been one of those that lost heart in doing good. She served with Christ. In that day, it was countercultural to have a rabbi, a leader, choose so many women as he did to be his companions in terms of ministry. And Mary Magdalene was one of those that was dramatically saved and healed by the power of Christ. So she's seen what his power can do. And so she lived with him for approximately three years as she journeyed with him along with the other 12 disciples and bringing that support mechanism only to watch him die. And you think, Lord, I did all these things for you, and now you're dead. And sometimes we, we do good for others. We try to parent our children as best we can, and yet sometimes they don't do what we want them to do. We try to serve our employee as best we can. We try to be a good employee, but do I get the raise? Do I get the admiration of the boss? No, it's vacant. We try to serve others and be good friends, and sometimes they undermine us. We try to do our very best in class. We try to put out the best exercise we can in terms of our studies. And do I get a reward? Do I find a job after graduation? Do I get into the school that I want to get into? And all the good we think we're doing for God and serving Him, sometimes I don't get the results that I want. And God recognizes that, and that's why He tells us in Galatians 9, don't lose heart in doing good, because we can lose heart. Secondly, we'll lose heart in painful situations. In in Ephesians 3.13, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus in Turkey today. Therefore, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for therefore your glory. Sometimes we lose heart when we see those that we love the most suffer. Mary Magdalene at that cross, standing literally in the darkness for six hours watching her Savior bleed to death. That's painful. And we watch those that we love the most, sometimes it's more painful for us to see them suffer than even for we ourselves to suffer. And some of you have seen your spouse suffer, a child suffer, a disease that was unexpected, a lost job, your home is upside down, and you're going through this journey and you're not quite sure what God is up to and it's painful. And especially it's painful to watch a spouse or a friend or a child suffer more than we suffer. And we suffer with them. And Mary Magdalene watched her Savior suffer on that cross. And God recognizes that that's part of the journey of faith where we will possibly lose heart because of painful circumstances. And then thirdly, we may lose heart when God seems absent or He doesn't answer the prayer the way I want. Jesus Himself said in Luke 18.1, Now He was telling them a parable to show that all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. 
Jesus recognized that we will pray, we'll pray consistently and persistently, and we expect God to do something about the things that we ask Him about because He's alive. We, we celebrate Him on Sundays that He's alive. Then why doesn't He answer the prayer the way I want Him to, when I want Him to? Where is He? There are moments in life when even God seems sort of absent. Mary's standing at this garden tomb. She looks inside this grave, and Jesus is literally not there. And there are moments when, spiritually speaking, he feels absent to us. For anybody who is a follower of Christ, I bet there have been more than a few days when there have been those struggles of life, and God seems to not show up right when I need him the most. And we're not sure where he is or what he's up to. There's something mysterious about the way God works in that journey of faith. And so the Apostle Paul recognizes that we may lose heart in doing good. We may lose heart in painful or suffering circumstances. We may lose heart when God seems absent or neglectful to my prayer life. And so he wants to do something about that. And that's why we need the light of Christ. We need the resurrected Christ. And so he comes and he offers us a solution. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, a little bit later on from verse 1, For God who said, Light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. That's a big, long sentence, but it's the reality that when Christ was resurrected from the dead, He now desires to shine light into the darkness of our lives, to illuminate the way when we don't quite understand what He's doing, to give us a sense of direction, to give us a sense of eternal destiny, to light the way. So then our journey of faith, when suddenly I'm losing heart, doing well, suffering, God seems absent. He's still there. He wants to come and give us that new life. You see that in Mary's life. As she stood there at the grave, she didn't run away. She didn't call it quits. Well, this is the way you're going to treat me, God. I'm out of here. She stood there and she remained there. And she began to inquire and search and seek to see what is going on because she didn't get it. So a man approaches him, her. She didn't realize it's Jesus at the time. And Jesus said to her, Mary, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? That's how gentle Jesus is when we're in that state of confusion. We don't quite understand. He just comes and gently asks these questions, draws her out, supposing him to be the gardener. She said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. What faithfulness. As she approaches this Gravesite, having experienced this miserable death of Christ, her Savior, on the cross. And she remains faithful in the midst of uncertainty and confusion. I'll still tend to his body. I'm not turning my back on this Savior because I've seen what he's done for me. And so at that moment of her faithfulness, Jesus said to her, Mary. And when she heard that voice give her name, she immediately understood it was the rabbi, Jesus Christ. As John records, she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren. As she commissions her to be the first evangelist and tell them, I ascend to my Father, and now, Mary, he is your Father. Go to my God, and now he is going to be your God, Mary. 
Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that He had said these things to her. It dramatically changed her life when she understood the reality of the resurrected Christ. That's what made the difference. She moves from disappointment, discouragement, from the sense of despair, uncertainty. And when she knows that He is alive, that gives her a sense of design. I know where I'm going from here, and she's committed to it. I love that sense of that when we are certain of the resurrected Christ, even in the midst of maybe losing heart, it gives me that hope that God is still doing something. And He's going to make sense of it in the course of time. Well, if Jesus Christ wants to shine His light into our darkened world, and into my life, and to give me a sense of hope, then I ask this third question. Why is it so hard? Why is this journey struggles? Why, why does God allow these things to occur? Why is it so difficult to live in the power of the resurrected Jesus? Shouldn't everything sort of go away in terms of the problems and I just sort of glide on in into heaven, sort of coast my way there? Well, God has an answer for that question as well. But let me give you a very simple, small way to illustrate why it's so hard. One small illustration. This last week I went over to Kaiser for where I have my medical stuff done. Had some inner ear thing going on that was uh, bothersome, so I had it checked out. And so he checked it out and sort of checked out okay. And as I was leaving, they give you at Kaiser a printout of all the things the doctor said, the prescriptions, and all the medical things. And then as I was reading through that, I was walking on my way to the car. On the very last page, they give you this printout. And on this printout, it says, health summary, ongoing health conditions. And I begin to read my ongoing health conditions. And I read the first one, overweight. Now, it used to say, it used to say obese. So I figure I'm on a good route unless they have determined that it's politically correct to say overweight rather than obese because nobody wants to be called obese and I used to be called obese but then the discouraging thing is that there are one two three four five six seven eight more ongoing health conditions in my life would you like to hear what all they are this is private information there's a law about you reading this, and I would have to fine you if you did. But when I read the other eight items, as I, I walked to my car, I said, man, I didn't know I was that bad off. I thought I was doing a lot better than that. And there's something sort of discouraged when you sort of read the reality of the way life is, not the way you want it to be. And there's sort of a spiritual lesson there. Sometimes, I don't know about you, I feel like as I look back in my life now and every day I look a little bit longer, as I look back, I think of things that I've done that I should not have done. I think of things that I've said that I should not have said. I think of attitudes that I've had that I should not have had. As a guy who grew up in a Christian home and has had all the privileges of being a follower of Jesus, and preaching the message of the resurrection of Christ most of my life. And I think back to the things that I've done that are a disappointment to me and certainly to the Lord. And I sometimes wonder, God, do you have kind of a Kaiser spiritual condition list where every day as I walk away from church, I'm supposed to read all the things that I've done and 
And you just keep reminding me, Dave, remember when you said that? Dave, remember when you did that? Remember that attitude? Remember when you said that snappy remark to your wife, Joy, and it was so hurtful to her? And I still remember those things. I wish I could just take it out of my brain. And I just wonder, God, do you have a list like this where you keep on holding it over my head and I'm always going to be reminded of my failures in life? And then I come back to the reality of Christ. That Jesus Christ came into this world to take lists like this that we may think He holds against us and completely and thoroughly remove them. So it's hard. Because as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. This body, this overweight body you're looking at, this overweight, slightly obese body that you're looking at, is an earthen vessel. And He's given to us a treasure. And that treasure is the light of Christ when we put our faith in Him. And He fills our vessel with His power so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not despairing, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. The Apostle Paul is coming to a reality that we are nothing but an earthen vessel. We are like this clay pot, as Paul was familiar with them in those days. This is how they would carry their goods. This is where they would put their wine or their oil. This is how they would do business. And Paul says, when I look at that clay pot that's in my tent, I think that's who we are as human beings. We are fragile human vessels. And he says, here's the reality of that, breaking it down. We will be afflicted. That's part of the reality. That's part of the way we live our lives. The word afflicted is actually used of Jesus in the New Testament, where the crowds pressed in upon him and squeezed him as everybody wanted to come and be healed by the power of Christ. And he is being afflicted in the sense of the pressure. And sometimes there are circumstantial pressures, sometimes there are people pressures, sometimes there are financial pressures, and they press in on us. And God says, you're a fragile vessel. That's part of the Christian experience. That's part of the journey of faith. You're not going to get exempt from that until you get to heaven. That's part of the reality. So all the more I need the power of God in me, the light of Christ. But he says, I'll keep you from being crushed. You will not be crushed in the sense that there is no way out. He also says you will be perplexed. When the disciples came in Luke chapter 24, verse 3, and looked into the gravesite and did not see the body of Jesus, Luke says they were perplexed. Perplexed means to doubt, to have uncertainty, to see something that doesn't make sense. And God says, for those of us on the journey of faith, there will be days of perplexity where I say, Lord, I don't know why you did that. I don't know why you allowed that. I don't know what you're up to with that. And there are these days when you just don't understand. And God says, well, exactly. You will be perplexed, but you will not be despairing. The word despair means to be literally at a dead-end road where there's no way out. I won't leave you there. We will be persecuted but not forsaken. We will be struck down but not destroyed. And I think as I read this last week of these Christians in Nigeria who were slaughtered and seeing the images of these parents and family members weeping over the terrible death that took place in that university when they identified themselves as followers of Jesus and their lives were taken from them.
And you see these things. And you say, Lord, you said that this would happen. And all the more do I need, as Paul says, this earthen vessel to be filled with the surpassing greatness of the power of God because my strength is not going to be sufficing for that. I can't do this on my own because I will be afflicted. I will be perplexed. I will be persecuted. I will have this time when I am struck down, but I know that, Lord, Your power is going to get me through that because the light of Christ is filling me. Let me illustrate it even better yet. Emmy is a young woman in our church, and she has a story to tell that I think in a very dramatic way helps to bring the full color of what God is saying through these passages to even people like Mary Magdalene of the reality that we are an earthen vessel, but we need the power of God to help us. Take a look and listen. It's through every heartbreak that God made me stronger and gave me courage and has equipped me to walk and make it through another day. So I come from a family with six people in it, and five out of the six are addicts, except for me. A lot of hurt, a lot of depression, lots and lots of brokenness. And growing up in such a dark place was hard for me when I was young. And having all of these conflicting views of of what it means to be a Christian and then having all of this brokenness hidden up on the inside, smiling on Sunday, but then throughout the week, you know, after we come home from Bible study, then there's all of this hurt and this pain and this muck. And it felt like it was always holding me down. I always felt that God just was covering me and that he put his hands over me to keep me safe from any of those desires. And I knew from a young age that I could just hear God talking to me and that he had something so different in store for me, that he saved me from those desires and he saved me from those temptations at a young age. I remember being in middle school and just really making a clear stance that if Jesus is going to be my Lord and Savior, that I want to live a lifestyle that reflects that and that I want to know who he is if I'm going to say that I love him. And it fueled this desire to study his word and to pursue him. And even though I made that stance and I chose to live for God, I still had all that brokenness still in my house, constantly surrounding me, pulling me down, hurting me, breaking my heart over and over again. And through all of that brokenness, it was God that gave me peace. On November 3rd of 2014, my mother was murdered outside of my house and she passed away next to my mailbox. It was something that I can't even begin to describe to you. And all of the uncertainty and the confusion. I continue to trust God that there's something more going on and there is a greater story that I can't see right now. And then, again, on March 20, 2015, I lost my dad. He died from a stroke one week after my wedding as I was coming home from my honeymoon. And it hurt so much again. 
I'm gonna trust God through this, and I'm gonna trust Him in my brokenness, that there is something beautiful coming out of this, and that it's through His strength and through His peace that I am sustained, and that I can't see what's going on right now. But if I'm gonna say that God is good, that good, that God is good all the time, then that means God's good now too. That even in the loss of my mother and now my father, I still believe that God is good. I think that tattoos can represent a lot to a lot of different people, and to me, tattoos can be a marker for places in your life. And when I look at the summary of my life and just the brokenness and the heartache, but also the beauty in all of it, my life verse is Psalms 18:28. You, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. And consistently through my life and through every heartache, every trial, every darkness that I've had to walk through, God has consistently and faithfully always been my light and has walked me through it and has taken those dark and hurtful things and has turned them into something light and beautiful and turned the things that hurt me into the things that strengthened me, built up my faith in Him and let me see Him in ways that would have not been possible if I had a quote-unquote normal, easy life. Most of us, I include myself, we come to a service like this, we look around the room, and we want to think and everybody to think we're together like this, sort of okay. In reality, we're more like this clay vessel, fractured, broken, cracked. And those of us who are honest enough with the Lord are willing to admit, I am a broken person and I have imperfections in my life. And it's because of that that Jesus says, I have come into this world as the resurrected Lord and I want to fill your life with my light. And when his light fills this broken vessel, it begins to shine through those cracks. And those cracks become the value of what God is filling and healing. And it's because of the cracks of our lives that the light of Christ shines even brighter. Emmy's story is so impactful because she allows those cracks to be used by God for Christ to be seen in her. And so for you and me, when we admit that we are a fractured, imperfect vessel, the light of Christ begins to shine brighter and those cracks become the means by which God does his best work. And that's why Paul writes, For God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And my submission to him with my broken life is to be filled with his light and let it shine through the brokenness. One other story that is impactful is Dave's story. In Dave's case, a little older. And facing the possibility that he wouldn't be here as long as he would like to be here. And sometimes that puts a lot of fear in us. But I want you to hear Dave's story. 
about how God's light is filling him, even in that brokenness. Uh, just uh, a shock when you f first hear that, that you have cancer because you're not prepared for that. The last thing I thought he was going to say, I thought he, the doctor was going to say I had a back problem and I need to do some surgery. I was diagnosed with multiple myeloma, which is a bone cancer, um, in April of uh, 2011. And um, since then, uh, I've gone through surgeries on my back and lots of chemotherapy. I've learned something over the last four years when you, when you were uh, just clicking along like you thought you knew what you were supposed to be doing here at church and doing God's work and this kind of thing. And then God said, no, David, I want you closer. Give me a minute. Give me a minute here. But I want you closer to me, David. And he said, I'm going to have to draw you closer to me my way. So I always remember the verse that my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not always your thoughts. And so I have to keep that in my mind. And um, boy, the last four years, God has really showed me, shown me how close he can be. And he's, I don't know how anybody could get through something like this without God. I just don't understand it. When I'm in a waiting room <clears throat> over at uh, St. Joseph waiting to go in for the chemo, people ask me, David, are you, are you scared of death? And I say, no, I'm not scared of death. I'm scared of dying. I don't like that part that leads you up to death. Everybody, everybody has to go through that, the pain and the different things. But I, I tell them I'm a Christian and God gave me my very first breath and he will give me my very last breath. There's nothing to worry about. You just keep on going. So the last four years has been a, a life changer for my whole family. <clears throat> uh, my wife, Raina, has really uh, been right beside me. She's, she's the one that encourages me. It's kind of my conscience sometimes when I get frustrated or whatever, but, but uh, Jesus just keeps on coming back to me and telling me, David, I'm right here with you. When I get frustrated sometimes because it just, um, the pain, I suppose you'd say, from the back and the stomach and wherever else in between the top of your head to the bottom of your feet that comes along with this. But uh, Jesus is uh, there every minute with me. I used, to, I used to think I would live day by day. That's too much to take off. I just live minute by minute. So it's even hard to say, but I do thank God for my cancer. Um, and I don't, I don't have any fear of, uh, of death itself. I know where I'm going. I'm going to be with Jesus one day, and that's that's the most important thing to me. So, living through this cancer is 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 a challenge, but I have the best there ever was and there ever will be. Is Jesus? He's right with me. All these pieces.
of the questions I like to ask and hopefully find an answer for is this. You heard Emmy's story, you heard Dave's story, and there are countless others all around each of us, I'm sure. How do I receive that light into my life? How do I get to where they are to go through what they went through in a way the power of God continues to control and guide? The Apostle Paul continues in 2 Corinthians 4, and he gives to us this answer. But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. What do we believe and what are we speaking of now? Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. The Apostle Paul is saying that I believe that Christ died for my sins, paid the penalty for my sins, he rose the third day, and he wants to resurrect each of us to be with him when that day comes. But not just in the future, but to have the power of Christ in this fragile vessel so the light can still shine through us even here on earth. So what do we do? Here are things for your consideration. One of the realities that we have is that we are imperfect people. And I need to be honest with my imperfections, my sins, my failings. I have not been as holy as God is. I can't possibly do that. Neither can you. So admit that, that we are fractured. Secondly, I need to confess those sins, those failings to Jesus to receive his forgiveness. Knowing that Christ died upon that cross to make payment for them, to set me free that there's no Kaiser list of spiritual imperfections that he constantly wants to shine in my face for shame and guilt. He wants to erase it completely, 100%, never again to be thought of. My failings, my imperfections, they are gone. And in that place, the light of Christ shines. And I need to receive that light into my life. So I'm going to invite you, if you'd like to receive that light into your life, to renew your life, your walk with the Lord, maybe you've drifted away. Or perhaps the very first time you'd like to put your faith and trust in Jesus. We have a card in the little chair rack in front of you we encourage you to use. And on that card there are two little boxes. It says, make a decision for the first time to follow Jesus. Or secondly, I decide to renew my relationship with Christ. If you'd like to place a check there in one of those boxes and make that your decision, I want to invite you to bow your heads for just a moment as I invite you to enter into that decision and give that opportunity right now. So as your heads are bowed before the Lord, I would invite any who would like to renew your relationship or place your faith in Jesus to say this to the Lord. God in heaven, I want to trust in your son Jesus now. I need his forgiveness. Bring healing to my brokenness and change my life. I want to invite the light of Christ and who he is into my life right now. Either for the first time I trust in him or if you're renewing, I renew my walk with you now. Help me on my journey of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. As your heads are still bowed, I'm going to invite, if you have made a decision for Jesus now, bring it into the light of this moment. No more concealing, no more darkness in your own walk with Jesus. If you've made a decision to trust in Christ to renew your life, would you just slip your hand up so we can recognize that? And I want to pray a blessing over you. Would you lift your hand up? Yes, thank you. Thank you.
Let me pray a blessing upon those of you who have made that decision. Father God, I thank you that you're a mighty God and that you sent your son Jesus into this world to help us with the brokenness of our lives. And as we're honest with that, Father, you have promised to fill us as a fragile vessel with your power that raised Jesus from the dead. Help us on the journey. Help us, Father, when we encounter those challenges like Emmy and Dave, that we would be those people who continue to follow you. And I pray your blessing upon these who have made that decision. God, that you would bless them and guide them, provide for them, encourage them, help them in those moments when they may may want to lose heart, because it's hard sometimes. So bless them with your strength and power. And the life of Christ, may his light shine brightly through them. So we commit them to you now and pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.